monumental savings event is happening now at Unclaimed Freight Furniture. Shop an unmatched selection of styles now 20% off. Plus, take time to pay with five years no interest financing. Fine guaranteed lowest prices on home accents starting at just $129. Doorbuster living room finds over 40% off. Can't miss marble dining sets under $700. Plus, thousands off complete bedroom additions. Hurry to shop these monumental savings in-store at Unclaimed Freight Furniture or shop now at unclaimedfreightfurniture.com. You are listening to a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Capital Calculus, the show which focuses on the intersection of politics and economics. In democracies like India, there's always a fierce contest for political power. The social capital so earned is deployed in defining government spending priorities and public policy. So it is fair to say that in a democracy, all policy is politics and policy moves should therefore be viewed through the prism of politics. Every week, this show will explore this intersection of politics and economics to try and give you a fresh perspective on the week that was. I am your host, Anil Padmanabha. They say data is the new oil. A phrase so overused that it is now a cliché. True. But in the Indian context, this may all be just coming together. Take for example the exponential growth of payments using Unified Payments Interface or what we call UPI. The fastest growing interoperable payments backbone in the country. Three years ago, monthly transactions using UPI averaged less than 50 million. Today, they top 1 billion. If India keeps this up, it is well on its way to becoming the second largest data economy in the world. Exactly why Nandan Nilekani, the former Aadhaar chief and Infi co-founder, believes India is data rich. Implicitly is saying that data rights of individuals need to be secured. At the moment, it is a virtual free-for-all. User consent is vaguely obtained and individual data used in multiples by tech platforms. Securing individual data would invert this relationship leave the individual in control, in short, create a data democracy. This could well become a reality if the Indian government walked the stock on the new privacy law. It would be India's second tryst with destiny. India will be data rich before being economically rich, which means that a per capita income may be $1,500, $2,000 ahead, but the data that people are going to generate is just like the U.S., because they're going to use the same smartphones, they'll have the same permission systems. In fact, the data here will be more than the US because of the digitization of cashless payments and GST and so on. So when you have a situation where the data is abandoned, but the people are not so well off, the business models that will emerge are fundamentally inverted from the Western models. So the models that will emerge is those people who can use data to improve their lives, right? Because if if, if I, my data is worth more than my what money I have, how do I monetize my own data? As opposed to somebody else monetizing it, I as an individual can monetize it. Nandan, in his unique way, has set out the promise of a data democracy. As he points out, two of the three required elements are ready, Aadhaar and UPI. The missing source, however, is privacy, without which individual consent will have no legal backing. The bad news is that India still does not have a privacy law. The good news is that it is a work in progress. 
A law guaranteeing privacy for individual data is presently doing the rounds of parliament. Last week, an expert panel submitted its views on regulating the use of non-personal data. It made out a strong case for its commercial mining. Non-personal data or NPD as the experts would say is something like what data is collected by ride-hailing apps or other aggregators but anonymized to protect individual privacy. To explore India's option of creating a data democracy, especially in the managing of trade-off between technology and rights, I spoke to Rahul Mathan. He is a partner at the law firm Trilegal. A Mint columnist, Rahul is one of the country's foremost experts on privacy and he also hosts a podcast on the intersection of law and technology by the name Ex Machina. I began by asking him as to why India does not have a privacy law. A lot of this is uh, incentive driven. I mean, uh, you know, we've, we've got a thriving uh, data economy as it is. Uh, Ten years ago, we didn't have e-commerce the way we have it. It's in the course of the last, I would say, five, seven years, maybe even ten years, that it all started. So it's only now that we're starting to see uh, the value of uh, a large amount of data. Uh, Another used to call it the WhatsApp moment, right? Um, it's when you, when, when it's only when data gets to this scale that you start seeing the tremendous potential of it. And then you know, what lags from all of this is the tremendous harms that can come if you don't regulate it properly. Clearly, India has acquired a critical mass with its data economy. The case for regulation is equally obvious. It has to begin with redefining consent because at present, it is heavily loaded in favor of the powerful tech platforms. The ideal scenario is a scenario where the user has much more control over what happens uh, with his or her data. Um, you know, and, and you know, the, the more parochial uh, response to that is the user doesn't know what is uh, good for him or her until uh, we provide it uh, to them. And in many ways, it's true. I think, you know, a lot of the technologies that we see today would not have existed if it wasn't for the fact that we had this sort of inversion where the, the uh, companies, the governments could uh, do what they could with the data. Uh, and we are just passive consumers of the output of uh, that uh, processing of data. But it's the, the point in time has come where for various reasons, uh, privacy being uh, key among them and also some abuses uh, of this of the existing system, uh, not just by maybe not by the companies, but uh, just by uh, other people who have taken advantage of the of the systems that have been created. All of that has shifted our thinking uh, to a point where we are now insisting that uh, users have more uh, control over their data. Um, and we're trying to come up with mechanisms whereby users can exert that control. Uh, it, there are many, many such examples. So, uh, you know, one is granular consent so that you don't take consent for everything now and in the future up front. But every time uh, you want to use it for something new, uh, you get fresh consent. Okay, so you're actually introducing a layer of accountability on uh, companies who mine or harvest that data and use it, right? Correct. And the logic behind that is that uh, I actually am, uh, there's this tremendous uh, information asymmetry. I am providing my information. I know my information is useful uh, to various companies that are using it. And I don't want to stop uh, providing that information. Uh, but I do want the companies that know, they're the only ones in, the, in this entire ecosystem who know what uh, is going into the algorithms or what the output of the algorithms are. 
so therefore it it makes sense that they should be the ones who are responsible for ensuring that what the algorithms do doesn't harm me and that's the basic principle behind this which is slightly reversing the information asymmetry uh, to say that if you have my data and you have all the information about it i don't know whether the consent that i'm providing or uh, not providing or you know uh, whatever I, whatever you are asking me to do even if it's granular consent i don't know the consequences of that so if you are the one who knows the consequences or at least knows the consequences better than me you should be accountable for ensuring that no harm uh, results uh, out of that altering the relationship is the key to monetizing data for delivering social good a good example is the ability to offer collateral free loans to small enterprises who in the normal course would be ignored by formal banking and this is not through some largest like say a loan mela instead it can be done by accessing the digital trail of receivables due to these enterprises in turn this can be leveraged to avail a working capital loan what uh, india needs is to somehow unlock this and we are really not talking about social media we are talking about all the other big infrastructure plays which is health financial services education uh, things like that in all these contexts it's important to move data out of the silo such that it can go uh, into the other silo and you know you can get the benefits of competition you can have multiple banks vying to give you a loan because the your data trail is available to all of them to take a decision on now this is something that is not possible in in the facebook world because there is no other facebook you know everyone wants to only be on facebook and so this doesn't work in the in the same way but if you want to create this unlocking and and breaking down a silos you have to have a second level of consent Uh, which I, you know which i uh, call and you know i i wish depa and and uh, nandan and all of them start talking about this in in these terms because it actually clarifies it in a sense uh, and i call that uh, post collection consent or portability consent because essentially the consent is for portability it is a second stage uh, of consent in order to allow data to move from one data silo to the other like i said earlier in all of this the missing source is data privacy the big question is where are we on giving the legal backing to this fundamental right the personal data protection bill is the regulation that is going to uh, govern uh, keeping personal data private and the non personal data uh, committee report seems to suggest a mechanism by which uh data which is not personal uh can be unlocked uh and uh, and unlocked therefore for public good and the whole thrust of the npd committee is uh, unlocking the value of data uh, that is collected and so if you think about it companies are constantly collecting data from us some of it is deeply personal uh a lot of it is not and even of the deeply personal data companies very often aggregate the data because when you uh, uh take out the personal information uh, deal with it on mass you start getting a sense of trends and patterns that are otherwise not uh, visible now because they collect so much personal data from us all of this value that is unlocked at the meta level of the data where uh, they aggregate the data and look at the trends is only available to the companies that collect it and the npd committee uh, and not just the companies even the government Uh, and the npd committee is looking to unlock the value of this uh, data india is now looking to plunge into uncharted territory 
exploring the business of non-personal data. The positive around this is that uh, the NPD committee is suggesting the creation of a market in data. And that is something that I think, if it's if it's designed carefully, is something that uh, the the big data companies and the small data companies may be interested in. Uh, so, take for example, a ride-hailing company has a lot of information uh, which is traffic-related. They don't need all that information. They essentially need information in order to route people properly and get uh, drivers to passengers most efficiently. But there could be other information like potholes or uh, you know, congestion points, which are much more useful to the traffic management agency. Now, if a ride-hailing company uh, can offer this information on a market for data and it is uh, bought up by uh, some traffic management company, uh, as far as the ride-hailing company is concerned, they have uh, got some remuneration for data that they were not otherwise using. So the market concept that the NPD committee has brought out is, I think, quite powerful. India is on the cusp of evolving into a data democracy, very similar to the tryst with destiny at midnight on 15th August 1947. That was a moment of political empowerment. Now, Indians are looking at economic empowerment in a never-before manner. As always, the last smile will be crucial. The privacy law will be the clincher. It will be key to creating the right architecture for a data democracy. The lawmakers, therefore, will have to tread with caution. They shouldn't fall prey to overreach or dilute what is already on the table. After all, governments too have ample cause to fear privacy. Regardless, they can't drop the ball. That would be tragic. It could well be the slip between the cup and the lip. Disaster for a country so desperate for a new beginning. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. You can reach me on Twitter at Capital Calculus or on Facebook and Instagram at HD Smartcast. I will be back next week with a new episode of Capital Calculus. Till then, stay safe. This was a Live Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. The monumental savings event is happening now at Unclaimed Freight Furniture. Shop an unmatched selection of styles now, 20% off. Plus, take time to pay with five years no interest financing. Fine guaranteed lowest prices on home accents starting at just $129. Doorbuster living room finds over 40% off. Can't miss marble dining sets under $700. Plus, thousands off complete bedroom additions. Hurry to shop these monumental savings in-store at Unclaimed Freight Furniture or shop now at unclaimedfreightfurniture.com.